And now, it's time for the show, This Old Dungeon. Good evening, listeners. You are listening to This Old Dungeon. I'm one of your hosts, Lou Alu. Hello, this is Edwin here tonight. Hey, guys, it's Bill. And tonight we have what I think is going to be a dangerous episode of This Old Dungeon. Uh, you, you've probably heard us talking. We've made this, like, New Year's resolution that in 2023, we're going to be leaner and meaner. And then our first guest on the docket has this just a, a enormous litany of things that he's been involved in. And then he picks the adventure, uh, the Lost Caverns of Sojacanth, or however you pronounce that. <laughs> and that happens to be just, you know, full of stuff we can talk about. So, uh, you know, folks, get your ears comfortable. I'm not promising nothing on this one. <laughs> so without further ado, uh, Stefan Surratt, uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me. It's a uh, you know, long time listener, first time guest. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for coming on. I've already told him he gets a plenary indulgence for having listened to the show regularly. So. <laughs> I, I think I, I was I was listening to one episode actually on the way to Long Con and uh, but and Bill was there, but we somehow didn't cross paths. I, I was running a booth like most of the time, so he was off well, running were, games most of the time. Yeah, you were actually working. My booth was actually empty the entire time, so it was no one. <laughs> so, yeah, I, <laughs> so. You know, one of the things we always ask people to come on the show is, how, how did you get involved in gaming? What's your first gaming experiences, memories, and all that? Uh, I think there's a, a – my dad's an English teacher, so there's a very, like, early – you can, like, connect the dots of, like, being read The Hobbit and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe <laughs> as a very young kid. And then, like, oh, and then uh, he played Dungeons & Dragons once, and his fate was sealed. <laughs> um, but it, I'm, I'm a little on the younger side for, uh, so my gaming began in like around 2004, 2005, uh, 3.5 was out, which meant the 3.0 stuff was on sale. And, uh, me and my broke friends, <laughs> one of my buddies, he got the 3.0 box set. Uh, I initially wanted to be the fighter or the wizard because they had cool minis, but the big list of rogue skills appealed to me, which uh, it no longer does really. Um, huge <laughs> skill list, but I, I wound up as uh, Lydia the Halfling Rogue. Uh, I did not, I kind of survived. I uh, got trapped in a magic mirror for the rest of time and uh, I walked home. <laughs> and um, but I and my walk home, I, I couldn't stop thinking about D&D &D and how we could, you know, do it again or do it differently. And I hopefully survive the next time. And, uh, and I just I haven't stopped thinking about, you know, gaming ever since. So how long did you get a spin on that side of the Game Master screen? I mean, I mean when was it that you first started writing in, in uh, you know, running adventures? I started my I tried running Star Wars Saga Edition. That was the very first thing I ever tried running. It went really badly. I was just like, I didn't have anything prepared. They didn't have any like published modules for that at the time. I don't even know if they ever did, um, but it went badly. And that was, and I didn't, except for the like that. And yeah, I think just that I didn't run anything for like the first five or six years. And then I started running a, uh, a Dark Sun campaign um, using some like online 3.5 hacks that I found because my group at the time would never, I still, they're never going to touch descending armor class. Um, so I found a 3.5 hack of dark sun 
and ran that for like a couple of years or something. And like, that was my like, oh, I love running way more than playing actually. Like I love playing, but I like running more. But that was also the end of my uh, 3.5 phase. Cause it was okay. I know how the sausage is made. I don't want any more sausage. <laughs> uh, this game is hard to run for judges. Yeah. Yeah, the feats do uh, throw just a whole nother level of sophistication into being a, a game master. Remember? Yeah, there's one player. He had a he had a fighter. Everything was tripping. Everything was trip attacks. It, if it was anything else, he's terrible at it. But trip attacks <laughs> will trip you all day long. Doesn't matter if you're two size categories bigger, he'll trip you. <laughs> in the game he goes in that three oh three point oh three point five that's kind of when i got back into it after a, a lengthy hiatus like a lot of us late 50 year old guys did and I, I remember what so what you're saying really rings a bell with me uh because i remember picking up the books at a barnes and old or something i they're probably all the 3.5 ones i, I really don't remember and i'm yeah. like i haven't even looked at a dnd book in 10 years and i'm, I'm putting these books and if i wouldn't have already known how to play the game it really would have been um daunting i think there's just so much in there and so i can see what you're saying by by you know just as just opposed to those user-friendly one ebooks <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah very true edwin but at least it was less there and it, that's true that's we, we true. had years to figure it out by doing everything wrong i don't even know yeah. if i could figure out how to do anything wrong in 3.5 i could i would out. contend that the the first couple of editions were so poorly written that nobody used the rules, and th thus it was a very right. easy That's game why to we play. Can play. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah. no, 3.5. Right. All the all right. the rule, all the advice online was how to build broken characters. So was, uh, and like, right. I don't remember like anyone talking about cool published modules. If I if I look so like I I never I never touched a public mo published module until I'd been playing the game for like a dozen years already. Um, I might have played in one wow. or two, but um, because I in the 3.5 time, no one talked about them. Every once in a while, you might hear someone mention the Red Hand of Doom. But if they talked about it, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, keep on the Borderlands. Oh, but that's one, you know, that uh, that's not one. <laughs> but um, but, you know, they were talking about things that are not for 3.5, how great those were back in the day. And I'm going, well, I don't I'm never going to get my friends to play those. And I haven't figured out how to do a conversion thing for that yet so guess i'm just we're all making it up so i don't know that was that was part which of which oddly enough all those old modules back in the days they came out as the game was you know evolving in 1e those actually helped us learn how to play the game in a lot of Absolutely. ways they were like they were definitely like supplements in a way that you could see okay okay now i understand what they mean by this and because they you actually see it in use in an adventure module which it you know is a whole other side of, of them, which, you know, that, that art seems to be almost lost anymore. Again, modern D&D games. It's, the supplement books are much significantly larger than the, any adventure books that come out. Yeah, they do the huge um, hardbacks now. So I, yeah, I, I can see in that, again, again, when you came into the hobby, there, you know, I, it was one of the things I looked for and there just really wasn't a lot of it for sure because that was always where I like to gravitate to also. Yeah. And when I, a little later, I, started running 5e and then i found dungeon crawl classic after that but in 5e i did a mm. campaign that was uh where i first ran the, the lost caverns of Sage camp uh there's there's someone on dm's guild who does uh classics module classic modules today and so i like i ran 
you know, Temple of Elemental Evil. I ran Sajkanth. I ran, you know, Dungeon Land. I, I ran a lot of the, uh, I ran, you know, GDQ, though the D and the Q got a lot of, a lot of heavy adaptation, not quite quite as written. Uh, but I ran a lot of those and was going, oh, okay, I, I'm getting this now. Like I've been home brewing for so long, but oh, this is how you actually, well, at least as of 30 years ago or whatever, this is how you do it. And I, I got to say, man, uh, for as young as you are to, to have been through, you know, e- even like two or three of the modules you just listed, <laughs> uh, you know, I, uh, you must play all the time because those are some lengthy, you know. Uh, it took a while. Know. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I, I don't have that to my credit on, on, on most of those. So, I mean, you, you talked about, you know, you go through about a decade, you start game mastering, uh, take us from there to the point that uh, you, you start Dragon Peak publishing. Uh, it was the, I discovered Dungeon Crawl Classics and I was just online. I was probably on Reddit or something. And someone described the mighty deeds of arms. And I was like, oh my gosh, a way that I can, a fighter can do interesting things, but they don't have to <laughs> do a huge feat based character build. That sounds like they solved it. I started listening to the Spellburn podcast, fell in love with the magic system of, of Dungeon Crawl Classics 2, found out about the Gong Farmer's Almanac. And I, and I was like, oh, you can get stuff published in here. And they'll, sounds like they take anything. Uh, for better or worse. Um, so I wrote an adventure, put it in there. They like assigned me an editor, you know, I worked with that. And then I did the layout for the volume I was in and like two other adventures. Mm-hmm. COVID happens. Uh, a few people that I just talked to on Discord were like, hey, let's get together and publish a thing, print on demand. And like all the, everyone will just do stuff for free and all the profits will We'll go to a COVID relief charity. And we did a couple issues of that. It was called Quarantine. Um, and it, it fell apart for, uh, I think, what kind of boils down to project management reasons. There's no one, like, coordinating mm-hmm. things. So there's never, there's two issues. Uh, issue two was, like, four adventures that different people ran. It's definitely better than issue one, which was, like, just whatever you got. Um, but after that, I, I wasn't done. Uh, I really like doing it and uh as i said earlier I, I, i'm not i like spend like morning to night being like why do i have to look at spreadsheets at work i could just be thinking about dungeons and dragons so um eh, I, I keep on going i did i started dragon peak publishing did a zine quest thing for a mutant crawl classic zine called merchants of the multiverse and kept on going from there one thing i particularly wanted to touch on is you've got a couple pamphlet adventures out there and I personally am, and it's my 2023 goal to put out five <laughs> pamphlet adventures. Um, what advice can you give me, man? Um, I, I do. I love making pamphlet adventures because, yeah, they're like bite size. It, it's an easy goal to hit um, relatively just, you know, as opposed to the like 10,000 word adventure. Um, I think in mind that I, your word count's going to be different depending on like what system you're doing it for. Um, but in, for the mind that are like MCC based, I think my workout was like a thousand, 1200 words around that range. So you have to be really terse. Like if you have a room description, that sucker better be like a short sentence or maybe two short sentences. It'll be a good challenge for Lou. Oh, it will. <laughs> it will. That's, that's why I've decided I've got to do that. Cause I, I got to change as a writer. I just, I know my weaknesses and I, that's, you know, got to get that like bag, a- you know? 
that'll be a really good challenge for you. Yeah. I felt like I learned some stuff from doing it too. Um, look at some, look at ones that you think are cool. Um, I recommend everyone buy my pamphlet adventures. Uh, they're definitely very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some primal quest ones that I did first, and then some mutant crawl classics ones. Um, and, uh, and they're all on my, my drive through and my, my itch. Um, but uh, I, the ones that I, I won't, I won't shill too hard about myself, uh, but oh, the ones it, I it. looked at, <laughs> um, I, I did one called In the House of Spud. That one has a really funny name. Uh, it's about basically a, a living sentient potato plantient who's being, uh, who is simultaneously being harassed by a tribe of basically rabbit people who are jerks and like energy vampires also. Uh, and using them, using the sentient, but you know, you can power a clock with a, with a potato. So that's kind of what they're doing. They're going, yeah. <laughs> and there's these like, basically like manatee mutant things that are like, oh, they just like eat its roots and they're very peaceful. And there's kind of this issue. And uh, I use some this of the weird merchants from MCC merchants of the multiverse folks. to like, be like, and these merchants can send you after there and say, they'll, you know, give you some good stuff or discounts or whatever. Uh, and I did another one called uh, Raiders of the Flying Monastery, which is like about a flying upside down pyramid that is, you know, crash is basically all but crash landed because uh, some folks called the techno rabble like crashed a flying car into it because they want to hijack the thing. Um, it's a little less silly, but they're both really fun. Then I've got some primal quest ones. And that's a, a stone and sorcery game made by uh, Diogo Noguera. That's really cool. Um, but I, when I was trying to do it, I looked at um, uh, one by Nate Treme called The Blood on Santa's Claws. And one, I don't remember who it's written by, but it's from Mothership called uh, There's a Goblin Loose in Icarus Station. Uh, and that one's really good. Um, they're, they're both really good for separate reasons. The, the Goblin Loose on Icarus Station, that one I think does a more interesting thing with, with map and colors because it'll be like, oh, an NPC is in this room. And uh, their name is on the map, uh, but it's written in red because they're dead now. Uh, the green one NPC in this other room written in green because they're alive and they're hiding from this weird goblin that just has a knife in your space game. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and there's also some cool uh, uh, ones for a game called Rune, which use, I've seen some there that use a gatefold format because you usually see the, the trifold where they're all equal sizes gatefold your sides are folding in, hitting the center and not overlapping. Uh, so look at, uh, as, as with everything, look at what came before, find out what's cool, try to analyze. Uh, in my case, I will also, uh, for business reasons, I'll say, don't spend that much on art. Um, <laughs> I have not honestly had stellar sales for my pamphlet adventures, but they've been a great learning tool for me. Um, the Primal Quest ones I did first in like, the two months or maybe about two months that I had them up on drive through and itch. Um, they basically made like 30 or 40 bucks, which was like the cost of the stock art and public domain. Well, the public domain art didn't cost anything, but you know, the cost of art that I, I spent. Um, uh, but then I partnered with Exalted Funeral. They published it and Primal Quest, uh, you know, uh, during like a su their summer sale slash summer online con thing. And so I, you know, I have a, a contract with them. They get a share. I get a share. And that's that's the only reason those pamphlet adventures actually made any money. Huh. Because Exalted Funeral promoted you, them. 
do you do much as far as uh, con sales or anything? I know uh, you're talking about having a table, but. I will for like ones that I'm being a part of, or I'll promote um, like RPG, AL, or RPG Alliance con. Uh, I like put out some uh, like they, they have like a raffle thing. So some stuff gets raffled off and, you know, the name gets out there a little bit. I see a, a little bit of a boost. Um, but uh, I don't know if you do it digital only, I guess that's my main point. If you do it digital only, it's probably going to get lost in the shuffle of the thousand mm -hmm. other digital things to get released. So yeah, try my, to, my, my try to do was maybe it would physical. be a good little like uh, impulse buy for con booths or whatever to have a couple, you know, a couple buck yeah. pamphlet adventures laying around. I, Oh, I haven't like sold them at con booths. I probably should, but uh, that would require, I've just done like I've get a uh, last con a long con I was giving away a DCC thing that was just like from the home printer so I didn't like look super fancy but I would like to you know actually print some stuff up and uh I'll I am making a pamphlet adventure a pamphlet funnel adventure for my upcoming Kickstarter which we can talk a <laughs> little bit more about later that'll that'll get an actual print run nice um you guys, if, if you have questions, you got to jump in because, you know, I'll hog the mic during the interview part if, if you don't. We count so. on you for that. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's your job. <laughs> um, that's why you get paid the big bucks. Well, let, let's go right into your Kickstarter. I mean, you brought it up. So let, let's talk about that unless Lou wants to hijack you somewhere else because uh, that's normally what happens. So um, let's talk about your Kickstarter. What, what do you got going? Uh, what's your time frame? Yeah. And uh, why, should, why should everyone buy it? Yeah. Uh, well, everyone should get it day one because day one you get a, a free uh, patch that you can, I don't know, sew onto your, your little battle vest that you wear at cons or whatever you have. <laughs> I've, I've got one uh, hanging on the chair behind right me. behind you there. Yeah. 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 Uh, and not much room left for, for patches on it at these days. Uh, but I got a, a cool little patch and I'm covering the small stuff first. That's easy to cover. The first stretch goal <laughs> for it is also a... Um, it's an original song by the band Loot the Body um, that was inspired by the, I, I messaged him on, on Twitter and, you know, told him the kind of, you know, the, the overall theme is very Elfland. The, the Kickstarter is called Elfland Beyond the Fields We Know. It started because I read the book King of Elfland Slaughter by Lord Dunsany. And I was like, I got this thing, you know, this is the theme. This is what it's called. And he's like, well, I have this song that I wrote a few years ago, but never released. It was at, I wrote it after reading The King of Elfland's Daughter. I was like, that's the same book I read. <laughs> that's perfect. Um, so we reached a cool deal there. But uh, so I have the pamphlet adventure, which is like a funnel that you can do in an hour and a half to two hours is what it's been since I run it. So it's awesome bite-sized thing where a, a witch sweeps up, you know, the PCs from normal human world into Elfland forces them to mine in this mountain where she wants them to mine out the literal heart of this volcanic mountain. She's winter, which doesn't, doesn't want that warm volcanic heart to, to stay where it is. Um, and maybe the PCs stay in Elfland. Maybe they don't, maybe they, you know, maybe the witch gets what she wants. Maybe she doesn't. Uh, then I've got two full-size adventures, one that called uh, The Blood Rose Curse, which is like a Beauty and the Beast inspired thing of what if that curse was never broken? What if Beast is, and all the, the furniture, you know, servants, they've gone insane, Beast stalks the woods, PCs basically go to a, have a mansion crawl where they uh, are trying to deal with that issue. And the other one is uh, called Christopher Robin's Nightmare. Because we need the Pooh's public domain now. 
Um, yeah. And there's a movie coming out soon, isn't there? Like a horror yeah. There's movie like some yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but I've seen the poster. Yeah. I saw it was on my phone tiny. once when I was scrolling, and and my two year old son saw it and was like, "Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, uh, but, what, uh, so what what rule system are you using this for? for uh, all dungeon for crawl me. classics. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So, but it, you know that's that's pretty close to a, a lot of other things. Uh, yeah. So it's you can go different ways. The Winnie the Pooh one is like a I wanted I joked online like a year ago being like the hundred acre hex crawl. Now that it's public domain, uh, I I couldn't do a hundred acre hex crawl, but I I did a point crawl where you, you just need bigger Robin. hexes. Yep. <laughs> 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 the christopher robin's nightmare adventure is basically a, a point crawl inside the hundred acre woods um christopher robin is a famous author and playwright in this adventure but he's under magical slumber and at the same time he went under this magical slumber a whole lot of bad fae creatures started coming in from the nearby forest so it's been figured out by you know local serious you have to go into his dreams so do some drugs to do that or lick a frog or smoke a hookah whatever <laughs> you got some options right up front uh then you you wake up in the hundred acre woods and it's okay rescue poo and then choose which way you want to go on the point crawl until you get enough friends that and or you know the game session's running to an end and you go to christopher robin's house and a lot of them some of them you know combat's pretty likely some of them you do not have to have any kind of combat at all you know it's I tried to keep it more wholesome for this one as uh, than the Beauty and the Beast one. That one's like more horror. This one is much more of the power of friendship. <laughs> um, and uh, so it's a really fun one that uh, is, yeah, just about like, let's just treat the, what if we just make them feel good. Uh, but I've done it in, in a way that like really lets the players be be clever and everyone's really liked it a lot in the play tests. That's awesome. It's one of the yeah, things that really admire. Looking at the, the the sort of the overlap of ideas in terms of the different adventures and i mean because they have i mean obviously they're all kind of child not childish but you know they, they're obviously got some some germs in there so together, they got some wind but, but they're very they diverge quickly in terms the... of yeah in terms of the yeah. spirit the feel of them well, I, you know, and I don't think like anything that happened in Elfland, you know, if you're, whether you're calling it Elfland or the Feywild or, or the realm of the fair folk or whatever, I don't think they're, uh, they're ever characterized as a very consistent folk. So I, right. I think having to be very disparate in tone is, is just fine. Um, yeah. And then the last thing I'm doing is uh, a zine also called Elfland Beyond the Fields. We know the titular thing. And it's, it's the thing that I wrote while, uh, I was listening to the audiobook of King of Elfland's Daughter while taking my son on walks and just stopping constantly to write notes on my phone because I was like, oh, this is good. This makes me think. And then getting home and trying to write even more. Um, but so there's like ways in and out of Elfland. I have like six kind of adventure locales that can basically written as like you got two pages of text, two monsters, and, and a map in. So the map is like the third page, but like six things just like that in that format where that can be a quick little mini adventure or, or what have you. And there's traps, magic items, curses, all that kind of thing. And I've, I've formatted it in a way so that it's either you can have it be your judge's toolkit um, or there's question prompts in there. So you can do it like a, jolo, a solo, uh, a, 
solo journaling game and kind of like use that to create a just to have a fun time with yourself or create a cool unique npc to, to throw in your campaign yeah, yeah, one of the things cool. i really admire about uh your writing from the the different ones that i've gotten is just the the way that like around every page there's there's the potential for something new and different like there's you know it's it's not like it's inconsistent i'm not trying to say that but just that uh right you've got a very creative take on things and, and there's a lot of stuff that you you don't see coming as you're reading through some of the adventures and some of the supplements uh particularly the mysteries of the multiverse uh has just such an awesome collection of varied things that that go together but just aren't expected uh thank you yeah i had a i had a really fun time writing that and all the weird stuff on random tables for making unique villages and stuff like that too yeah it's got one of the best uh settlement generators that i've ever seen it's super handy yeah uh, that one is i mean we mad max doesn't if 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 we were playing like a mad max game or something like every town needs to feel unique if, if you're doing the post-apocalypse like a fantasy village is easy to churn out like they're they're pretty mm -hmm. generic usually pretty good, but yeah. like the post-apocalypse needs like weird, unique villages. And that was, that was a struggle when I was running MCC and that was what I was trying to fix with that. Very cool. Yeah. So doing a whole lot on that Kickstarter. Cause uh, I was just going to say, I think uh, at least Lou knows uh, uh, for sure that doing uh, your own shipping and fulfillment kind of sucks. So uh, try to do a lot of things at once, <laughs> pull it all off. What is this Kickstarter yeah. launch? When you're looking at uh, putting it up. January 17th it'll go on for three weeks and uh and like I said there's that day one deal so uh you can get a a cool patch there uh it'll it'll still be available if you, if you don't hit it day one but uh you'll we'll pay five bucks for it do you have uh like are you doing the my kickstarter is going to launch next week sign up to get notified thing oh yeah it, three launches up got 155 followers last time I Great. checked which is like almost twice as good as the the last one i did so i am i'm stoked about how this one's gonna go okay uh make sure you you know um only because i'm terrible at doing this but email that to lou or us in general i think you're on our group mm -hmm. email I, I, we'll make sure pay setter we'll put you in our newsletter that kind of thing um get you as much uh many looks as we can absolutely thank you definitely have that in the show notes for everybody yep. so all right well, cool. shall we move into the uh, letters to the homeowners? Sure. Yeah, because it's going to be nice and quick. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. My opinion is letter writers. Yeah, uh, don't have much uh, today uh, except for some, uh, some just comments, not any questions, which is very nice. Uh, so uh, from Der Gruben Trull, and I, I don't know if this is a, a listener that's from uh, the motherland, or if, if this is somebody playing a joke on us, either way, I'm happy to have it. Uh, but uh, Der Gruben Troll says, Das gut mein Freund loves das show. Curious to know if in any play 4E. I've definitely heard rumors of people that play 4E. Yes. <laughs> they sold the book not, for, not for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, that was actually about when I was getting back into gaming was 4e and i played some because that's what was on and uh I, I don't know why but just a month or two ago i was thinking that i want to i want to go try it again see what it was see what it's like as a like now <laughs> that i'm not 
<laughs> getting back into gaming now that I've played, you know, the whatever, you know, a hundred different game mm-hmm. systems in the past 10 years, just sort of, I think I'd have a lot more context for it. And I think it would be fun because I, I remember it as fun. Um, I, I had a fun I, time. I'm ready to give it a shot again. I had a fun time when I was playing it, not running it. <laughs> and I, I think I realized that like, oh, I just had a really yeah. good DM. Yeah, no, I would thing- not want to run it. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to do the work to get up to speed to run it well. That's for sure. I was going to say, the one thing that people always say about it, and I've only played it a few times, is that uh, once you've learned the rules, the layout of everything makes running very, very uh, streamlined. Consistent. The way that they've formatted things and the way that they've written the the monsters up and stuff, that it's, you know, unlike the support for it was really nice. A lot of page flipping to see how feats interacted and stuff. I mean, the, like the spell cards for the players and like, there was a lot of good stuff for it. A lot of great stuff. Um, I was the same way, Edwin, you know, I mean, I kind of got back into gaming to end of three, five, but mostly as four, e came around. I didn't play very much of it, honestly, because I was mostly in, the, in that OSR scene. Um, I, I like it. I, I actually like four, e I, I, it wouldn't be my addition of choice if I were going to sit down and run a campaign, just because I think it's not suited for me as well. You know, but I like it as a game. I I, I think it sometimes gets a bad knock. Um, and, so there's and you're a right as far as of it being yeah. the long con tournament next year. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, although I, I, you know, it, it eh? I might eh? run it in Texas Maybe? one year on a Saturday night just to have fun <laughs> with people. I, I think that would be cool. Um, but uh, I don't. I think it's a solid game. I really do. And like you said, Edwin, I, I agree with you 100. There was a lot of great support material for that for that product. Um, you know, you know, it was very short lived, and they put out some great stuff. I mean, they definitely went. That's when TSR definitely went back to the throwback, or TSR Watsi went back to a lot of old TSR throwback stuff. You know, they put out the uh, uh, the Village of Hamlet uh, mm-hmm. books. There were two or three of them in module form, right? Or Keep on the Borderlands too, and uh, two more like Keep off the Shadowfell. Yeah, but I, yeah, I hear they, people talk about there's that. There's some good but... stuff. There really is, and. Um, you know, unfortunately, it had a really short, uh, had a short life, and maybe fortunately, unfortunately, whatever. But yeah, it is a great game. But it, I like 4E, so there it is. But I'm not going to say, you know, I certainly wouldn't say I'm going to sit down, start my next campaign running 4E, you know, hey, given, given my other choices. I'm not going to run 5E. So, right. but, <laughs> God bless 4E for helping, you know, really, really put some gusto into the OSR scene. I, you're right about that but you know what i do think 4e is also you know we could do a whole podcast on this i do believe that 4e was is way more responsible than people give it credit for for bringing a lot of people back into dungeons and dragons because those books showed up in a lot more places than the 3e books did they were better looking i'm sorry 3e fans the 4e books were just way better looking as a product and i think watsy did a better job of moving it along uh, well, I also wild. think a lot of a lot of what's good in Five E was based on the experiment that was Four E. I mean, the, you know, Absolutely. they they tried out, they were willing to try a lot of new stuff, and some of that stuff stuck because it, it was really did. good. Mm-hmm. It absolutely did the short rests and things like that for sure. And I mentioned Star Wars Saga Edition earlier. If you look at that, you can see where how Four E kind of came from with how they organized feats and leveling up in, in that game. So I mean, the lineage is there. 
all the, well, look at all the character classes and races, right? I mean, a lot of that stuff was created in 4E, not 5E. Mm -hmm. So, um, fascinating. I, don't know, I think it's a really interesting thing to look at one day, but it just doesn't get, the, the obviously doesn't get the love. Wasn't it with 4E that they did that whole, like, uh, kind of like guerrilla campaign where they had the, what were they calling it, like the evening encounter or whatever, where it's like a, you, you run these at your comic shops or game stores or bookstores, yes. and they're, yep. you know, like, two-hour adventure, and people yeah. just pop in and pop out. Yeah, and look, and the, the, the main thing I'm for you, most people say it's a better skirmish game than it is a, a role-playing game. I'm, I'm not, I, I agree with that. It's definitely more combat-centric of a game, I think. Oh, whether that was intentional or not, it's just how it kind of looks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but be that as it may, I'm I'm on it. So, all right, Lou, next letter. Uh, I read this one because because uh, because Larry's a Larry's a good guy. Uh, he's been running the uh, uh, RPG Academy. What is it? Fundraiser episodes. So he says. So Larry Hout says, uh, "Well, uh, what an episode." Y'all covered the New York leg of the masks scenario so well. I remember seeing that large tome back in the mid 80s and just backed away slowly. Interesting geek cred. Turns out I learned a bit about Agatha Christie. Happy New Year's to you and Bill and Edwin. Thanks, Larry. Always happy to educate you guys. Happy New Year's, Larry. I'm gonna edit. <laughs> All right. That was great. Yeah. Always happy to educate. Yeah, I, I feel for him, though, uh, as far as like, I have that same compulsion when uh, whenever I see a large adventure, a box set, or these, you know, the modern, you know, 200 page, you know, hardbound book. There's part of me, it's like, I will never get that all the way through on the table. And, uh, you know, I, I don't sometimes think I'm up for running a big adventure like that. You guys ever get that feeling? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All the time. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish I had, I don't know, someone had gifted me a bunch of those things when I was a broke teenager and had time for it. I, I just don't anymore. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's a certain elegance to those massive adventures like that, but for me, it's more of a reading material, nightstand stuff, mm -hmm. than it is. I'm probably going to use this down the road. Um, I absolutely, almost always prefer, you know, the shorter, thirty-two page books, something like that, where I, I can wrap my head around the whole thing. I know I can get it in, a, you know, two or three game sessions, that kind of thing. Well, and even those, I feel like I tend to just take parts and pieces of as we do on this old dungeon as we do on this old dungeon hmm. <laughs> what a segue <laughs> wait is it that time all right we're gonna do something a little bit new we're gonna take a pod break here and then when we come back we will start right into the meat and potatoes of uh this old dungeon with the lost caverns of sojacom or however you say it. hey buddy Want to go for a ride in my flying car? Nah. How about we go fly around with our jetpacks? Nah. The future's just so boring. Is the future boring you too? Well, maybe you should listen into the Save for Half podcast. The podcast about old school gaming, where we take a look at old gaming books with fresh eyes. You can find us at saveforhalf.com or on iTunes or around the corner. Perhaps we're standing behind you right now. Don't look. This. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. All right, so 
you you made the call for the adventure so why don't you start us off with why you picked this adventure and tell us what background you know about it and then we'll kind of fill in any missing details and sure talk about what uh, what's working and what's not okay yeah sounds good uh let me the lost caverns of Sunshkanth. uh admittedly i've only run it in, using the classic module today update in 5e so I didn't, I didn't run it true to form, um, but I had an amazing time with it uh, and it became one of my favorite, you know, modules of all time, especially, you know, one, one of my favorite Gygax modules too. Uh, and basically the, the whole, it's part wilderness, part dungeon and part, you know, pamphlet just full of magic and monsters. So the original thing is 32 pages. You're, you go to this mountain veil that's on the borderlands in between two nations then you know you've got a kind of hex crawl with points in it so it's part hex crawl part point crawl then you get into the actual lost caverns you have two levels down there and then like i said there's 32 pages you have a bunch of new monsters you have info on demon lords info on magic rituals so that that's kind of the, the short and sweet version of uh at least a summary of things all right awesome which is a great couple of great tidbits information so i'll go into like i always like doing going kind of the history of products um so uh lost caverns came out in 1976 as a tournament adventure at wintercon uh, up here in michigan uh is a lot of the, our listeners know I was heavily involved with the Michigan WinterCon group, uh, helped run conventions, but I didn't start until 78. So I was two years behind this thing actually coming out, but I didn't get to play in as a tournament. But uh, uh, for the collectors out there, they uh, many of them know this, but a lot of people don't. Uh, they printed 300 copies of that tournament version. Uh, Gary wrote it. Uh, MDG actually produced it. Um, and they sold them at WinterCon. And um, you know, in today's world, you know, 300 copies by a company, you know, like TSR basically, Gary, you think you'd sell it in five minutes. Uh, we still had copies of those in a milk crate in 1978, which is where <laughs> I bought mine. So yeah, the, the thing that's worth probably seven grand today. So, um, in that version of the title has the O instead of the yes, A it's the, the, the comp it's camp. So camp, it's so comp instead of so camp, it's spelled differently. Uh, it looks wildly different, obviously, than the, the brown version. Anyone can go on the AKM website and look up uh, a lot of this info. Um, but you know, I, I remember my first uh convention was WinterCon 78, and I was helping with registration, and we had a milk crate of those that we were still trying to sell for five bucks a piece. And that's where I bought mine. It was probably one of the first modules I ever bought. Um, oddly enough, I got to play in Ghost Tower of Inverness that year, and they sold out all. We printed 300 of those, so those, those all went at the convention back then. But uh, So I was able to get both of those right there at the convention. Um, so it's a kind of an interesting story um, with Lost, Lost Caverns, and then they, TSR you know, did it up as a big-time module in 78, uh, which was the 1E version uh, with the two 32-page I think the illustration book's 32 pages or the second book's 32 pages. I really, yep. I, I'm in Florida. I don't yeah. have any of my stuff here, guys. So I, 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 I'd hold up my copies and, and we do show and tell too, but I don't have anything down here. Yeah. 32, 32, Lou. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> mine's actually missing a page. I think it's the pre-gens. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's 32 and 32. Okay. Yep. Um, my PDF they, has 70 they, pages. They, I'm sure it just gets bigger with every edition. Cover insides. Uh, there's yeah. six of those. So. That makes um, sense. 
So yeah. as, as Lou mentioned, that the tournament version was so comp, it was an O where the A is, and then they, they came with the later printing with so can't. And I, I don't know how to pronounce it either. Some people say it how you pronounce it. Some people say it a, a cheater like me who just just starts removing letters. Um, <laughs> so um, great adventure, uh, Bill. Real quick, because yeah. I've never I've never owned or physically held a tournament adventure. Yeah. Um, what's that like? I mean, like, is it? Does it have a, a hard cover to it? Is it all paper? It's not, it's, I mean, so the, the, the covers on all three of them are 11 by 17. Uh, and they're, they're color, they use color paper. So Canth is a tan color. Um, and it was a less, the, the pound size of that, that cover stock to me has always seemed a lot lighter than the other two, than uh, Tomokan or Tomokan, however you want to pronounce that one. Mm -hmm. and, then, uh, and then Inverness. Uh, those two seem to have the cover stock is a little thicker on those. Um, so, so can't they tend, the spine tends to rip on those, the, the tournament versions, a lot of them, the, you know, they just, they just, the papers disintegrated at the fold of the spine, it uh -huh. tends to tear. It's a, it's a card stock, but it's a really lightweight card stock. And it's, that one's tan in color and the interior of that is, I don't know. I, I don't remember the page count. It's not that many, believe me, cause it's, it's. Single space, tight as shit, um, typeset. <laughs> um, and I, I want to say it's in the 20-some page range, and that includes the uh, maybe 30 pages, 32 pages, somewhere around there uh, with the uh, the the player characters. So because those is, are all is that, uh, eight and a half by 11 saddle Eight sticks? and a half by 11. Uh, it's not, it's not, uh, it's all loose, okay? It's not oh, saddle okay. stitched or none of, all three of them are like that. They're, uh, everything inside is loose, loose sheets of paper um and the but are they, are they white. booklets then or is it just loose papers no, stacked 11 by 17 is folded like a cover sheet and you just slide them all in there uh, uh in place so they're they're loose sheets so it's anywhere between 26 28 to 36 pages depending which one are just you know single tucked in there almost paper, like a folder, just slid right in that cover so if you yeah, if you don't hold it right they all fall out all over the floor um but uh there, yeah, it's uh, and they did 300 of each of those. Uh, I don't think Tamakin has got um, not Tamakin, so camp. I don't think so camp had DM versions. The other two have actual uh, at, at the upper right corner, they used one of those old stampers that you could stamp, turn a figure to change the number, right? So they're individually stamped one through 300. But they have DM versions. It says DM, and it'll have like I think I think they might have been handwritten the DM ones. What number they were? Uh, I can't remember. You know, I, this I'm going off memory. Tamaka might have been hand number two. Inverness was definitely stamp numbered. Um, but that, that's how you know. But I don't think so. Camp got the DM copies. I think the DM copies might have been pulled out of the 300 that they ran. Um, I, I should know that, but I don't off the top of my head. I, I know for a fact it's not a separate DM stamp on any of them that if they exist like that so it's an interesting little historical thing for all you call you know collectors or guys getting into it because these things have gone through the through the roof they're considered one of the holy trinity of of D, &D modules as far as collectors go um you know e each of those they used to be worth in the range 700 to 1200 bucks you could get them for up to about 10 years ago um now they're I, I don't even know the last time one's come up but it's probably going to run in between five and seven thousand dollars to get one of those now 
So they're, they're tough to come by. Um, I makes me kick myself that I didn't pick up the seven or eight that was still in that milk crate. When I was, <laughs> you know, 18 years old, so, or 16 years old, 14, I was 14. So, yeah. But uh, anyway, so multiple ring the, uh, go ahead on the printed version. Um, you know, it's a uh, S four, but I read that originally S four was going to be the, uh, what is it? The forbidden city of, uh, the dwellers of the Forbidden City, I won, and that this so, was originally going to be one of the WGs. Three. So, yeah. My understanding is that uh, Village of Hamlet, which is T1, is mm-hmm. supposed to be WG1, World of Greyhawk mm-hmm. 1. Uh, Temple of Elemental Evil is was supposed to be WG2. Uh, this and is this would be three. So Canth was three, and, and Tharzadun was going to be four. Yeah, yeah and th- there's hints of. Thar's the Dune and, and yeah, this Thar- one. So it's, they're yeah. definitely linked. They're definitely like Thar's the Dune is, is absolutely linked. So that's what that was Gary's intent. But as we know, early TSR, they were kind of all over and scattered at times. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, people blame the fact that Temple of Elemental Evil didn't really get written by Gary because he was busy writing Thar's the Dune um, instead. And, and that's, you kind of look at those four modules and say, yeah, this would be a great sequence to run. You know, you run Village of Hamlet. And then you run Temple of Elemental Evil, except I would, you guys already know my thoughts on Temple of Elemental Evil, <laughs> piece of garbage it is. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't fit with these modules, really. It just doesn't. Um, it's, you can just tell. I mean, to me, you can just ask. Well, I, I would think you would be way too high level by the end of that. To, it doesn't to work. Right. On top of that, it doesn't this, work. Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't work listen, at all. I, I was doing, you know, a 5e campaign because that's, like I yeah. said earlier, players weren't going to do it. I did Hamlet, Temple of Elemental Evil, and uh, I didn't do Tharzadun, but I did this one right after. There, there's an old post on, dra- on the Dragon's Foot forums of someone's going, Gary, hey, if you ran a modules-only campaign, what modules would you do? And uh, I tried to get as many as made sense with you know how much I needed to level and the differences. Mm-hmm big differences <laughs> between yeah. things um to do that so i, I mostly yeah. did it did in it seem to order. flow through pretty good then or it did we had like a little kind of mostly role-playing kind of christmas session adventure that i i just made up in between this and that to get them close to the uh the na- the nation borders that uh-huh. this is kind of set on but it did flow well and getting out of you know the temple of elemental evil and all the nodes the wilderness section of this was a very welcome change um mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah that that sounds cool i mean i need to look i need to read the 5e version um the other interesting tidbit is again this was um even though gary wrote this this was produced and sold by MDG or Metro Detroit gamers at Michigan and, or Wintercon, obviously later. So this wasn't even, this doesn't even count as the first actual TSR module, um, which is kind of another little fascinating tidbit. Uh, Hill giant is considered the first printed TSR module because the first module TSR was actually vampire vampire queen, which was we warriors product that they just distributed. And essentially this is kind of falls in that same category. So, um, it's all kind of interesting stuff uh, for those of you guys who like old TSR history and where these modules came from and kind of how screwy things were back in the day because they absolutely were. Um, 
But uh, so anyway, that's the printed. And I believe so. Can't so is one of the only modules that has seen printings in every edition. Uh, first sec, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. So, um, I, I, don't I, I would venture to guess uh, Ravenloft probably, maybe. Yeah, probably. I think it was only a board game in fourth, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's just uh, which gets into you know the whole topic of. of why we think it's cool and I'm glad stuff picked because it, it really is a cool adventure. It, I do think it's probably, you know, I like a lot of Gary stuff, but this one's just, is, this has just got solid Gary. You know, it's not, it's not him trying to slaughter people like he did with two Mahors, you know, where he was just like, okay, it's me against the world. Um, and the I'm very end is super guys. mean though. It, oh, Gary's yeah. always, every module he writes is super mean. <laughs> We're getting around that. Plenty yeah. of Garyisms in here. Yeah. As if spoilers weren't obvious, but there, there is a boss that might charm some players or player characters. And then when you start looting the room, there's another boss, depending on what loot you touch. And then if you touch even more loot, there's another boss. <laughs> and, yeah. and they are unique they've never i don't think they've ever been remade into another system but they're like melt all the items you have like nasty nasty creatures there's two he's got two of them in there to do that right well i know the one e version does but yeah, even the, yeah, so, positive and negative plain yeah, the, version of the creatures. i'm sorry i might not be right about the module production part that is in every edition but eagle with who is the kind of the over you know yes the the the, the, the npc you never meet but kind of the story ties all this together. Originally, Iglewood was a heat, by the way. So in the tournament version, Iglewood is described as a, as a male wizard, Archmage. Yeah, I, and I read about he, that. In the yeah, afterwards. when 1E, the 1E version came out, they, they, they gender swapped. So that's been going on for a long time, folks. Uh, <laughs> Went into one of those nasty rooms <laughs> and the... Yeah, I'm just having fun with that. But yeah. uh, it, actually, I think it was a great change because they were able to do a lot more with it, with the the lore of Iglewiv, which is re actually really, really cool. So Iglewiv actually appears in every single edition, I think. is I might be getting my history, you know, might have been getting my module thing this up, but I know Iglewiv in every single edition. And now she's in 5e because she has goes by other names and that name is Tasha in 5e. So mm -hmm. Tasha's called her of everything. It's actually Iglewith. So um, I'm sure it references in the book. I haven't read the 5D version yet. I do have oh, it. There are volumes and volumes of both official and unofficial backstory to Iglewith yeah. and Tasha. And it's it's a very interesting thing. Yeah. It, um, it's actually really, yeah, it's one of those really cool TSR lore things that, that a lot of people just don't know about. But uh, it's really cool how it's been cycled throughout the, the history of D&D. &D, um, and this versus, is also where you finally get like a more than... Is this the first introduction of Drast, or is just like the first time you get more than like a I think mention? it's the first time, yeah. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Let's see, isn't uh, so you, you the get second monster manuals where he appears? So, and, and this is the prelude to that. Oh, we'll, um, we'll, get, the, yeah, we'll get the, the whole here yeah, the Bodak and the Draco legend here. Yeah. There's like awesome new monsters. So well, that's a, so I got a whole much, comment on that. So much to cover on this. Yeah. Um, right, <laughs> I, I got comments on that later, too. That's going to be all right. While we're talking like production, um, yes. do you guys think that this was uh, originally produced as kind of a, or, or at least the, the second booklet of it, as like a, a preview of the second monster manual to kind of get some hype going on it? No. 
I'm going to just say flat out no. Um, I think if, if you yeah, look at most you know, solid, you know, right word for word, right out of this monster manual two yeah. that would appear a year after this. Um, I Lou, I think that um, I think Gary. Every time Gary wrote a module, he decided he wanted to rewrite all the monsters because that was just a Gary thing. Um, he every module he writes has got a ton of new monsters in it, a ton of new magic items. Um, I think it's, I, I just think that it's part of how Gary is. And he always wanted when he was doing stuff for his players, again, this was written, remember this was written as a tournament. Okay. So you've got all these people coming into play. Um, oddly enough, a tournament module that was written prior to uh, the monster manual wasn't printed till 77. So this came out in 76. So it's what, to me, what's more interesting. A lot of these modules didn't make it into the actual monster. Manual. So I find that kind of interesting. So um, anyway, uh, but Gary just always seemed to write a ton of new monsters for all his products. And it, I think it was more of occasion. Again, it was a tournament module. So you want to keep it on his toes. So you just throw a ton of new stuff at them all the time. Right. So they don't know what it is. And Gary just likes to do that. It's just Gary effing with people. And that's what he does best. And he did best. And this module does a lot of that, but not, I don't think is. Uh, I don't know, over the top is two more horrors, right? So, yeah, there's definitely the Gygaxian naturalism in here, but it's not, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not egregious. Well, as, as, uh, as he says in the intro, I highlighted a few things, but one of them that amused me was players seeking the early death of their character should be quite satisfied with the Lost Caverns of Sojkanth, for there are many <laughs> opportunities for the foolish or rash to end it all. And Gary's idea of foolish is you actually play the adventure. So right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you go into the dungeon. That's that's yeah. foolish. That's on you, man. That's on you. I had a bunch of magic mouths there telling you not to go in. Exactly. <laughs> they thinking. all have gems in their mouths. Don't you want to get everyone? <laughs> yeah, don't you again? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, the uh, the thing that struck me on the that manual though is um like I said, I mean, it's it's a significant chunk of the Monster Manual 2 just reprinted yeah. there. Well, pre-printed, pre I guess you'd say. <laughs> and uh, uh, some of the pictures aren't the same, though. Some of them are and some of them aren't, which was kind of cool to go back and compare, like, the art they used in this book versus the art that they used in, in the actual Monster Manual 2. It's weird stuff, too. It's like it wasn't, you know, from my own eyes, I couldn't tell why they chose to go with a different image. It wasn't like this one was better than that one or, you know. Uh, and sometimes it was Holloway drawing both of them. So I don't know. It's just different. Hmm. I, I got to say that when I reread it this time, uh, I had really misremembered this module because <laughs> I remember it being a lot more about the demons and about like, oh, you're going into these caverns that, you know, hell's been unleashed into. And and really, I think there's only two, you know, pseudo demonic creatures in the caverns, yet the uh, monster book's full of them and has all that, you know, all the spells and rites and stuff like that to, you know, create the uh, tropic circles or however you say that. Yeah, that kind of shocked me. I just didn't remember it being like it is. It, yeah, it has a lot of stuff where, it, I don't know, it kind of feels like it was almost left on the cutting room floor and the module just took a different shape than maybe it was intentional. Or Gary just thought of some different stuff while he was... <laughs> well, <laughs> they were know. up to 28 pages in the second book and like, you know, we just need a few more. Let's uh, <laughs> fill those in. Oh, wait, you know, I have that thing. Let's do that. 
Oh, we've been talking all about the caverns. Feeling. I love the the wilderness adventure. There's like a lot of good region info for like world building. You got like the gnome Vale there. It's border between nations. You have like patrolling, you know, dwarves on like, you know, who are riding goats. You got goblins. You got werewolves. You got like a, a band of like poachers. <laughs> you got like young hippogriffs. Where if you, if you get them, they're they're too young to ride, but they but you can ride them if you like keep them safe and you know train them for like a year so there's a lot of cool stuff like that outside too and uh i I think when i ran the wilderness section that was the first time like i ran a wilderness session in a game and was like that was awesome instead of like "Eh, that could use some i could do i could have done that better Uh, it was (laughs) it was i really like that section as well wolf yeah it's fantastic the wilderness x probably part of this is really cool it's just there's a lot of great situational things there right and and gary tie you know he does a nice job of tying some of it together with the different you know the, i think where it's got the door doesn't have the doors running around again i don't have my copy there was some nice uh yeah there's some nice advice on like here's the stuff and then here's mm-hmm. some ways you might yeah. they might yeah. interact with each other and with the player characters and all the yeah how, you know if if they do this they might later be able to do that uh, so i thought there was some nice and it was short like the the advice pieces were, were short and clean uh, but just enough, I thought, to spark a GM's mm-hmm. brain to move in yeah. certain areas. And and exactly. And that was why I was able to run it so well, because it wasn't just like a band of three to three hundred goblins uh, in the mountains or something. <laughs> There's like a little something about what they're, they're up to. Yeah. yeah. It so gave important. me, you know, just enough that I needed. Two thoughts that I had on it. One, um, there's this element they describe at the beginning about how you were you're going into these mountains, but like all the surrounding kingdoms that are at war with your kingdom are also sending people in these mountains, hoping to uncover the, you know, whatever wonders lie in these caverns. Um, And then that, that threads kind of dropped a little bit, I think, but they give you as one of the encounters, the uh, Perrin landers who are some of your opposing, uh, opposing nation that you're, you're Mm -hmm. kind of in a race to find the, the caverns before they do and i think you know as a game master i would kind of push that element a lot harder and have the have the players get the sense that there's all these other patrols out here and we got to be careful not not to get caught by them but also for them not to be able to see what we're doing and and find the cavern you know by by way of following us to it so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make sure you you kill the people that uh, eventually lead you to the cavern <laughs> no, so they don't yes. tell anyone else <laughs> well, uh, let me the, go ahead lou I, well i was just gonna say the other the other element is that um it doesn't like give the characters much to go on when you look at the scale of the map to actually find the caverns like each hex is three and a half miles and the caverns are off of a trail that's not on the map that the players start with um, and out in the mountains. And, and I mean, there, there's like even this like little note that they find at the beginning that they're given right off the start with this little poem in it. And I don't know, man, but I can't make sense of the poem. Like it doesn't to me point them in any direction. It basically yeah. just tells them don't, don't go into the caverns. It's, you know, <laughs> one, yeah. of the, one of the main things that I think, uh, that I was sort of torn as I was reading this, and this was the first time I'd read this, but was the, there's a lot of stuff that still feels tournament to me. And in that mm-hmm. sense feels not fun for a 
non-competitive mm-hmm. game. And so I think, and that was definitely one of the things is even just like that. I was thinking about how, what would I change? What would I redo? Is like, well, I'd make darn sure they're going to be able to find the caverns. Like, like you know, if yeah. I want them in the caverns, Bill, I'm was, sure they was get the wilderness somehow. part of the tournament? No, or was the turn? Yeah, okay. No. I was I was betting it wasn't like turn. Yeah, I assume in, they in show up mind. at the doorstep. No, you, you the... start at the front door. Um, yeah, that's what I was so thinking. Speaking, speaking, we we kind of got around where I want to come back to you uh, anyway. Um, the if I remember right, uh, the 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 adventure hook here is awesome, right? It, it's it's. Mm-hmm. There's not a bunch of different plot hooks for the, for the PCs to get involved in this thing, really. It's they're mercenary, you know, murder hobos. Hey, I'm going to tell you where this thing is, and I'm going to split some loot with you. Just get, go find this one thing for me. Give me 15% of everything you find, and you're going to find unimaginable wealth and magic items in this place. That's the plot hook. That's the hook to get the PCs involved with this venture. So there's no elegant thing here about, you know, the backstory. They don't know shit. And I love that about this, honestly. I, it's really cool. It's just, hey, go be a mercenary and go be a, a band of marauding adventurers. And we're going to give you a little leg up here, um, which, you know, I'll, I'll get back to this when we do our how we this old dungeon, this thing. But I thought that was, uh, if I remember right, that's, that's it. You guys have it there in front of you again. I don't. I apologize. Yeah. I, I, I mean, only there is an element there where it says that, hey, there are these old grandfather tales of, of you know, um, uh, Iglewilv and, and mm-hmm. her battle with Grizzit and all this, um, which to me is a disappointing part is it, it projects this idea of you're going into this place where there was this massive, you know, battle between a, a, a witch and hell and, and you get there and there's not really any signs of that. There, there's very little you know that yeah. yeah there were no signs story. of this being a, a witch's lair at all. like it was a like no. i totally disappointed <laughs> in the connection between the hook what i was expecting and the dungeon like to me that was a big letdown i mean yeah sure, there, i, I changed bench- the plot hook when i ran it because yeah. it, i was like this doesn't it didn't feel like it fit um i would totally but, uh, change it changing like, plot hooks is like the first thing that any dungeon master does yeah <laughs> we gotta <laughs> well, well, this, party, yeah, yeah. Again, this wouldn't be the first Gary adventure where he's changed. It appears that he changed his mind on what he was going to do halfway through the adventure. So, because <laughs> yeah. I mean that about Garyisms, room, that's one of them. I feel like the final, the final room or rooms is really the only place where you feel like you're where you were thinking you were going to end up, and the rest of it is just you're just wandering through caverns that are stocked like a weird, you know, like a normal it, dungeon is. Yeah, the old fashioned dungeon. Like, there's a lot of really cool encounters and they, oh, yeah. a lot of them, you can be clever. You you can role play to at least gain an advantage, if not avoid the fight. But yeah, they feel like individual encounters that, that are. Really well, you're, 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 you're not going to, right. You're not going to, you're not going to hide the, the, the roots of this adventure is a tournament module. So no. uh, where, where every, every encounter is designed to challenge the players in a different way and to throw different things at them. So yeah. you're, you're not going to get, around that in here i know they tried especially with the one version right they, they they did significant work based on the original um but you just you can't hide its roots you know it's still it is what it is i, I think in a way you either embrace that or you go in a different direction again it's, when we get to the this old dungeon part i think we should probably get into the actual caverns themselves talk a little bit more about that before we get to that part but um one other quick question because i always got to derail things so edwin did you so so stephan you you had the uh the uh 5e edition right so i have i have a like uh just a some guy made 
5e conversion, conversion is what I okay. had. But I, I've got the, the 1e module on my shelf. So I was okay, at the table with the old module and then my printout of, of the conversion stuff and, you know, saying Bodak from this thing and Treasure it does this magic effect now instead of that. Um, one thing I found just like wanted to pull my hair out is like their numbering conventions. Like the wilderness map has letters, oh. but the letters just <laughs> represent a chance at a random encounter and yeah. it has dots. And those are also random encounters. And then the caverns got letters and numbers and other letters that go with the numbers. Uh, and it just, Oh my goodness. It, it's somebody needed to pick a, a, you know, some sort of layout style. And go are, are you saying this TSR module needed better editing and layout? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, you'll see. This wasn't my Frank, right? He's not going to catch me at a convention and kill me, is he? <laughs> no, this one. This was Rob. Okay. No, it's uh, yeah, that was. So yeah, let's get into the caverns then. So um, one more question. One more question. How did your characters find the caverns? Because that that was the looming question in my mind: is how will they ever find it? They had a ranger. There you they go. were in the wilderness. Ta-da. <laughs> it was fifth edition they just found it yeah 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 i could that's how it works in fifth edition uh fortunately or unfortunately whatever your opinion may be so uh i i don't have a very satisfactory answer i think so i i think the uh i i remember well i've run this twice the first time i ran it is is i actually ran the tournament version when i bought it because i thought it would be cool to have all my guys play it right because back then i mean I, I i i bought all this old tsr stuff because i love buying it there wasn't a the collector community didn't exist back then. And I just kind of didn't collect comic books anymore. So I collected TSR shit back then. So I, I actually played my tournament copy of it, which probably gave people today heart palpitations. Um, so so I, I know that, you know, my copy, some of the, 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 the player characters have got pencil notes on them and stuff from my guys playing it way back in 78. Um, but, you know, that one, they just started there. So it was easy. But then I ran it again years later. Um, and they didn't know I was running it because the whole wilderness part, right? So I just interjected as part of my campaign because I needed a mid-high level adventure. And I think I know, I know I just basically had something with the gnomes, basically hooked them up. And uh, they had some old scrap piece of paper or something like that. I think it, it might have mentioned something like that in the adventure. I can't remember. There's but something in the adventure. There is some one of the many groups that you can run into in the wilderness. If you're nice to them, they can take you to the mm -hmm. entrance or basically get yeah. you there. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think the gnomes I, know exactly the where gnomes. it is. Yeah, I think that's how I mean. I, I just have this recollection of the gnomes doing something with them. So, uh, but so the other thing I did in the one e version was um, I know they get they get tasked with going to do this right, and they have to they're going to get the lantern, and they're supposed to give this um, guy who hires them a baron or that's not the title Barry, Gary used Margrave or something bizarre. Like no. that, Mar Margrave Margrave is a title, or or, or Mar Margrave is the kingdom. I think it is Marduk. I it it's used it's all the time like in core in core. Margrave of, of the March of Bissell. There it is. Yeah, Margrave of March of So he, but he wants fifteen percent of everything to find. So of course, you know, most player groups are going. Like, well, how does he know how much shit we're going to find? Well, I had him, <laughs> I had him send his nephew that he didn't like with the PCs. <laughs> thing and, and he better not die or the whole kingdom's coming after you so and it was like a second level fighter so oh. it was i had a lot of fun with that 
And I like it that at the end, the lantern that he wants back, one of its powers is that it makes the owner covetous and not want to, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> yep, the ring yep. from Lord of the Rings, you know. Oh, yeah. I had some fun times with uh, those in my campaign after they <laughs> took them all. Yeah. So they get to the caverns, right? And it, you're going to go through a whole bunch of, of, of basically one shot rooms, right? They're not, they're really not. Refer, uh, related to There's each other. There's a few other. bits of links here and there. A little linkage, overall. right? It, it, it's, it's like a cavern with a bunch of bats and then the bat guano chambers next to it. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. the Fomorian giants. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm theorizing the Fomorians are living off the bats and that they're somehow descendants of the people that used to, like, you know, I mean, work some for of that's even, or whatever. Some of that's even talked about. Like, he, there, there's, again, there's some effort made to make sense of this sort of zoo style uh you know dungeon they do but... try yeah they try to account the one version's got a little bit of ecology going but it's not much so but it does it does a little better of a job but again you you just can't hide that tournament background these oh. things so you're gonna run into these and you know again this is where I, I I get with like when I run adventures these old adventures just you know I'll make sure it's in telepathy look you I, I get all the player agency stuff and all sorts of it Sometimes you have to buy into things a little bit, right? This is going to, this was a tournament, a module like Ghost Tower, right? You're just going to have to understand that when you go into one room and you walk into the next, you know, you walk in one room and it's this creature in the next world. Is next to it. You just see, right? You're walking in different worlds in each room. Exactly. Don't read it. So just, just don't look for relevance. I was tempted to actually change the hook to make it a tournament in game, in, in, in world. Like sure. This this has been set up by the Mad Wizard Igwold as a challenge because a lot of the stuff otherwise, and, and this is true in a lot of adventures, where there's, you know, there's always these hints and clues, and I was like, who does that? Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna buy a safe, but you know, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna write a riddle <laughs> on my roof. And if you happen to go on the roof, you're going to see a riddle that will help you open my safe. Like nobody. Well, does what that. if you forget your password? <laughs> yeah, but that's not a riddle. Like you know, like yeah, exactly. And I was like, look so under I the think, keyboard. Look under the keyboard. But I think I think making it as a competition in world, you know, a way to prove yourself. This is how you, uh, you know, this is how you become name level. Like if you're eighth level fighter and you want to become ninth level, this you got to go do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one one thought I'd had of trying to sort of make sense of this. Uh, I, I, li- I like that idea anyway. I mean, I, this, this adventure this adventure works well with that. So I, you, had you, a, I had a wizard who uh, was kind of a scumbag in my game. And I was like, you heard some rumors about demonology things. And he was like, I'm in. Let's go. Everyone, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems like it'd be pretty easy to get people into it. i mean i was even thinking you i mean this is the kind of thing that would also be fun to just wander across like you're you're out doing whatever you're doing and you find a cave and oh wow huh it says don't go in there well obviously yep a do not enter sign for a group of adventurers is might as well put cookies on the threshold right exactly. it's skull um, mouth at the entrance and the doors in the mouth of and they're going in right they're going exactly. in um then they're going to loot the shit out of it which this is a good looting dungeon right too so there's fun oh, yeah. stuff in yeah. here but um, I, we, it's, there's more there, treasure outside of the treasure room than there is inside it. By well, far. inside the treasure room, there's those tomes which will boost in a you know they've got one tome for each ability score that'll give you yes. a plus one to that yeah, one. That's so true, like, yeah. that's oh that's Back the biggest the day, steal. The only way, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was. Um, I love the uh, first the caverns of water. You have to go through all those underground rivers to get from one section to the other, mm-hmm. and I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 
Are, no, there's are, some, are we there's in the some tune-up great... part yet? I've got some, <laughs> I have some tune-up things. Yeah, some, yeah. Just, it, as we go, throw it out. What's what's the tune-up? Uh, so it's incredibly hard to get through there um, unless you have the boat. But the boat, the boat is very hard to... Na- a normal boat would be very hard to navigate. So you get a magic boat, but the magic boat starts out small. It's like a shrinking boat, but you have to know the magic word. And it is so obtuse how to figure out the magic <laughs> word yeah Uh, unless you're just really heavy-handed with your players which i was because i was like if i'm not this is going to get annoying really quick um but you really need that that's the kind of thing that that 5e i feel like one of the things that we all complain about with fifth edition about it being too easy and too soft is it's a it's a direct reaction to frustrated players because in 5e i feel like you know you attune to the boat or you cast identify as a ritual and boom you know, you yeah. know, the, you know, that you know how, to, how it works, you know, everything it, about it. That's it. I, I did just heavy handedly being like, oh, it's right. very, you know, and then right. that's exactly what was done. But, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. you sort of fixed a... that by making the Fomorians again, somehow descendants or leftovers from back when this was in operation. And then they have something that, that tells about the operation or they have some weird some memory. memory. Yeah. But yeah, I think the uh, I think the teleport chamber is worse. To be honest with you, they so, were horrible. Yeah. What a that, dumbass. that was one I I, I remember I would back just in get the rid of that. I did. I both times I ran, I hand waved the shit out of that. So okay, we're moving on because okay. this all this is going to do is frustrate people, frustrate me. The the realms it takes you to are completely boring. Yeah, like the Minotaur one's a little bit interesting, but it just. Ugh. you know I, but those I, were I, those were like i didn't prep for tonight and i need to do this thing so i'm going to teleport <laughs> you to this thing that i made up <laughs> so i yeah. i my solution that i had a guy he went to the greek one um mm-hmm. and it was the next five minutes of the game were us montaging months of travel and like spirit journey and stuff <laughs> like that and until he like did the thing to reappear and it's like okay you have a level of exhaustion because by the um but you're back with the rest of the group and we don't have to just like count we don't just have to say goodbye to your character right yeah i would yeah that that the two things in so there's the upper caverns and then there's the lower caverns and i think you were talking about the water in the upper caverns there's that it's just this dumb teleport thing. They show up and you you randomly each person whatever, and it's nowhere interesting. The other thing I didn't that I would change is I would make at least two or three more ways of getting down into the lower caverns from the upper caverns. Because again, yeah. it just rang again. It was just it's tournament. I understand it, but it's just right. like oh my god! Like you you have this huge dungeon, and you're looking for one stairwell that you don't even know exists. Cause, cause you're not, there's no clues. There's no, mm-hmm. like, this doesn't yeah. feel like a wizard's lair. So there's no, you can't use any sort of logic or anything. You just have to wander randomly until you find the staircase. Uh, yeah. I will say you, you could, there could be something in there at the peck who I, they're like these weird little guys who are digging. I don't really know what to do with them. Maybe they right. can provide a hint. There's a, or, or, a, or a through, like maybe yeah. they dug broke through somewhere. Yeah, or there's a there's a Merid who's sleeping. He's a jerk, uh, but maybe he could like provide an underwater passage, shoot you down through something. Yep, there's yep. different ways you could do it, but none of them are done. <laughs> yeah, the Deo, the genie whole thing there with yeah. the you yeah. know uh, land of paradise or whatever. Um, I, I you got to connect those guys in somehow. And my thought was maybe maybe uh, Tasha used them to create the 
the seven passage chamber they were the ones that hollowed out the earth there for that or something well Wait, why are they still structure? there why are they why are they why why is there one group of of magic creatures who are solely there to screw with adventurers when Just you're in this it. like this well, movie, because Gary so wrote it. Yeah. Um, so i thought about that i thought well if she did that if she somehow like um you know, like manacled them to this realm to be able to do that. Okay, maybe they this is maybe they want to be freed, and that's part of what you could do. You know, find a thing that will free them or whatever. So this is a this is a great encounter to talk about for this this whole adventure. Where where so I think why you have a lot of this weird stuff going in here is kind of the backdrop to this whole dungeon complex is it's kind of a nexus where all the different a bunch of different the elemental planes kind of converge and created this weird dungeon monster hotel. So this encounter we're talking about is, is, the, is the PCs walk into a room and they see a midget, okay? Which you probably can't do in 2023 anymore. But anyway, you walk in, you see a midget, and then you see two beautiful belly dancers come rolling out, right? And and there's a eunuch there guarding them. I, I mean, this is just a great setup. So what are you going to do? With, okay, guys, this is what you see. Now what are you going to do? Yeah, you've been going right? through caves. This is wildly different. Wildly yes. different, right? It's a it's just plush. There's, there's pillows. There's silken sheets. There's all this stuff. And these, these girls are dancing exotically. And, you know, all they want to do is kiss you and that kind of thing. And, and then in the next room, there's a lurker above dropping in. You know, I mean, just... Uh, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just great setups like that. But I again, I... I I think if you get caught up too much in trying to change all this to make everything make sense, you really do lose a lot of I don't know, the throwback nature of this, the old yeah. school feel this, uh, you know, how evocative this is to how kind of the game evolved from something. Again, we're talking, this was originally written in 1976. Dungeons and Dragons barely existed in 1976. So um, I think to have that flow through, through five, you know, all these different versions and be available in five, I think is a fantastic thing. So I don't want to get people too caught up in the fact that yeah. you need to you need yeah. to change everything in here because it's weird. I would definitely change the frustrating parts, right? The yeah. I can't get from A to B. It really needs to go away. Just make it a little bit. You can put say, a little hurdle in there, but make it easy. I, I changed the very little. Thing is garbage, right? The teleport chamber thing to try and get to the center. Just I know why it's there. It just doesn't really work very well. I, so I changed the teleport chamber and I gave extra hints at the interior door puzzle to get to that final room and you know they were able to figure out the magic shrinking boat and find the place really easy because 5e rangers but besides (laughs) those things i changed almost nothing at all and my players absolutely loved it they were were the funhouse aspect i love absolutely right yeah yeah fun you just don't know what you're going to walk into. It's great as a, let's, let's talk about it. You know, we talk about things as a player thing, like, like how do we fix things to make it more fun for the players? Right. But this is a really, this is, you get rid of some of this frustrating part. Right? I, again, I don't, I don't want to revisit it, but you know, if you've never read the module, you gotta, you gotta go, the players get stuck in a couple of spots where they just got to do a hundred million things to try and get to the next spot. And it's, it's, it, it can take forever. And obvious things, yeah. So you can compress that and, and make it easier. But the, the funhouse part that Edwin just mentioned, which is a great term for this, is um, this is fun. Really, this is a really fun adventure for a game master to run or a dungeon master to run because every room is just so wildly different. You just get to do all kinds of different cool things and just sit back and watch the players just squirm sometimes. is just, it's, you know, it's joy. Uh, there's a um, huge variety of enemies too. You yeah. got to use a lot of those mm-hmm. monsters you've never used before. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and especially there's, there's two different situations in here where you're going to fight a monster kind of thing 
where it, 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 one of its special attacks basically disintegrates something you're wearing or carrying. <laughs> and so there's a, there, it's a, I remember reading something a long time ago. So this is just another one of these gear adventures where the players can walk in, you know, and walk out buck naked. So because <laughs> it's just how it is set up that way, but still have all the treasure, right? But all the shit they walked in with ain't there anymore, but they got a bunch of new stuff. Um, so there's some, there's some fun in here with that. My, I'm, I'm completely off, off, uh, off topic here, but I had a question on the back on the tournament setup, and I don't know if you guys have answers, but one of the things I noticed was that the, so they have a bunch of pre-gens, which apparently yeah. were the ones that were the, and it looks to me like the classes that have the, that require the least XP to advance have the lowest level. So we've got a sixth level fighter, a seventh level cleric, eighth level fighter, ninth level thief. And then a fourth level fighter, ninth level magic user combined, which is like a billion oh, XP. Right. And then a four, four, five fighter, magic user, thief, you know, half L. And like to me, like, because the only thing I've ever done, like when I've set up stuff like this of high level uh, first edition stuff, what I normally do is I say, okay, everybody has 10,000 XP. So that's a ninth level thief and a fourth level magic user or whatever it is. Right. As opposed to the Build opposite. Well, yeah. Did you have any, is that like, so I, I think um, there's I, I've written a lot of tournaments myself. So there's a lot of balancing in, in the in the player characters that is involved in that. And a lot of times it doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, I tend to shy away from this kind of it, like big variance. But where you are going to see a lot of early, especially a lot of 1E adventures where dual class characters, it would really oftentimes does not make sense. Uh, the Slave Lord series is the same. There's a couple um, there's a couple of. Uh, uh, dual class characters in there that their experience level, if you add it up, it's like, wow, you know, they, they have enough experience where all the rest of the guys should be 10th level, but they're all fifth. So, you know, um, that, that's something that's very common just because you can't, you know, you really just can't have a bunch of six level characters running around. And then the, the multi-class guy is third, third with 12 hit points. Um, Cause he's just, he's going to die fast well i was so, thinking about that because this like so the ninth level magic user fourth level fighter those those nine levels of magic user don't give you money hit points that's for sure uh, right but they give you some good offensive power right but that's just let me ask this because somebody kept the uh the pre-gens out of the copy i have <laughs> yeah <laughs> do the do the lower level guys and gals do they have like maybe extra magical weapons or they magical all items? have magic items they all got magic oh, stuff okay. um not not balanced they're, they're way, pretty though. well uh really well set up group it seems like i i think that's why i mean there's there's definitely some balance missing with that and there's always going to be some player characters or tournament player characters which are significantly stronger than others it's just the way it is but oftentimes that lower level power character will have some sort of odd magic item or something that was really helpful later on or access to some certain spells which might you know in an encounter be really really critical rolled high on the hp Right. Yeah. 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 I, I was I was actually picturing. I'm glad you're saying you think it was balanced because I was really picturing, uh, you know, Gary and whoever there with like, uh, I'm gonna roll 3d4 for their level. <laughs> like, so here's the thief. <laughs> Whoop, look at that. He's fourth level. Okay. Well, I'm, oh, there I'm, you go. <laughs> I'm not saying he didn't do that. Okay. <laughs> it is scary. I mean, we gotta remember. It's just uh, we're gonna get things that. 
will never make sense to the normal human. Okay. Just go. All right. So Lou, I think I interrupted you there. You go, you go ahead. Well, that's good. Uh, I think my, the first thought I had was the, uh, I wanted to talk about the troglodyte uh, encounter. Cause I thought that was just awesome. That one is so great. You have the, the band of troglodytes and you have the one champion that has a sword that creates yeah. illusions. Yep. It looks like he has a whole army with him. Yeah. That one's yep. so good. That was sweet. Yeah, no, there's some really good. I mean, yeah, almost all the encounters are really good. I yeah. I really it's much neutered in 5e and how green slimes are there. Um, but the the cave where you can find this like dead elf who's who's just like died of dehydration. Yeah. And he's got like a magic item on him. I think it's cursed though. Um yep. Yeah. But if you look up, it's because there's green slime all over the ceiling, and he was afraid to get slime. He was afraid to cross it. Yeah, yeah. He tucked in there and never left. It was like, and yeah. then well, eventually and, and turned. If I remember stone. right, there's a he's got in his backpack like a blanket of devouring too, or something like that. So if the slime doesn't get him when they try the magic item, it'll get right. him as well. I think he had like boots of dancing or something, where you try to run away and you just end up dancing or something <laughs> like that. Maybe. <laughs> The uh, you guys want to talk final encounter to bring it to an end here? I, I think we sure. need to get to Drelsny or however you pronounce her name. Yeah, yeah, I love this encounter. Yeah, the illustration's amazing. Well, that was another thing I didn't realize that uh, the second edition player's handbook had so much art taken out of this book. I always thought it was original art, and then I got to compare and it's oh no, these are just blue versions of half the illustrations <laughs> that came out of uh, the caverns. Yeah, yeah, it's it a nice uh, you, you have like a weird shape to the chamber. It's like a big circle. So yeah. you're not just fighting on a flat surface. You have like a flat surface where it's like the entry into here. So you can try to stick little in there. Ledges, it's, yeah. it's a small little ledge or a weird flat surface. You have yeah, Drelzna or Drelzna. Well, we'll go. Let's go with it because nobody knows yeah. how to pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, we'll spend the rest of our time just trying to do that. Uh, she <laughs> is a beautiful sleeping woman who, uh, you know, roll a save. Uh, she's going to try to charm you and go, oh, you entered and how wonderful. That's so let, uh, you broke the spell. Let's back that up. Right? I would love to know how many people tried the Sleeping Beauty uh, <laughs> effect on her, right? How I many wish. PCs at some point, you know, somebody did that. Right? I'm oh, going to yeah. go. I'm going to go kiss her and wake her up. Oh, that would just be, I would just be in heaven as a game master if that happened, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't, you guys can run shit from now on. That's never going to get any better than this. Um, but the, yeah, just, you know, but she's just, you know, the name of, she has a, oh God, what's the name of her sword? Heretic or something like that? Heretic, evil bastard sword. Oh, it's, no, it, yeah, it's named, right? <laughs> Uh, probably is. I'm just not there yet. Not where it's first, uh, not where we first see it, but it may be named mm. later on. It does. Ha- it, I know it has a name. I think it's, oh God, I think it starts with an H. Hmm. Yeah, I can't now. find it in here, but. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it's going right yeah, after I mean, that she's got, It's got the magic armor, got the magic sword. She's a vampire. The fact <laughs> that she's a vampire. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, Google says little, you're right. It is there. heretic. It is heretic. All right. There That's it is. What, uh, at least nice. what Google is saying. People okay. on Reddit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, a great plus encounter. four sword, right? It's just a plus yeah. four sword of ass kicking. Uh, yeah, <laughs> plus four sword that, that hates lawful good clerics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Detects invisibility. Perfect, perfect magic item because your players can't use it. Yep. 
And then she's got the uh, the boots of spider climb on so she can run all around the orb and attack everybody even when they can't attack her. <laughs> While she's charming think, PTs, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I uh, doing a search in the uh, in the PDF? I don't find the word heretic anywhere. Okay. So I, I want uh, yeah, to sort of at least in this booklet, it doesn't appear. It, it probably in a later booklet or something. Need, but, yeah. Yeah. Must be something like that. Okay. But uh, so here's my question Is there a story going on here? Because this yes. lantern that you've come looking for is hanging down there. And if you read in the book, one of the powers of the lantern is that if you lay under its light for so long, it'll remove disease. Yeah. And so I wonder, is this, did, did Eagle Wilv, Wilv, uh, Wilva, however, did, did the sorceress put her daughter here, hoping that over time it would remove the vampirism from her? What are your, what are your thoughts? That, that could be, I mean, I, I know she's, I think specifically it says somewhere in one of the, one of the print versions that, that she is there to guard the lantern. It's her, her job is to guard the treasure chamber and her treasure. Well, that's just what they told her. Right. (laughs) You know, that could be true too. Um, But that, that's why I wasn't clever enough to think about it when I ran it. Then I, I know there's some more lore about it. Like, like Eagle would have apparently got with Bratz for a while. They were boyfriend, girlfriend, but, but this, Drelzna is not grass. Not that, yeah. Um, but you know, if she if she daughter. lost her vampirism, she'd also be dead. I mean, that's that's got to be what's keeping her alive. All these. Yeah. She's so also you know, half- because I think the uh, the light also uh, keeps you alive. I, I can't. I, there's so many rules about this lantern. This lantern. Yeah, I believe really one of them is like item. perpetual life as long as you're in its light. Right. Um, and Drelzna is actually half sister to Eos. That's also part of the whole mm-hmm. part of this thing. There is a bunch of backstory which could be which could be tied in. Yeah, it is kind of fascinating. So, um, but it never it never says who the father is. I don't think that's not been disclosed. Or so I, I, I need to read Tasha's and see if it says anything in there because I have not read that book yet. How would you bring any of this stuff into the game? Because obviously it's a fight. Like she, she gets oh, yeah. up, she charms, she pulls the sword on the cleric and, you know, and it's a fight from there. So if I, if we, I tried if having her talk for a stuff, minute, you had him talk. What'd she talk yeah. about? <laughs> um, just like, Oh, you've broken the curse. All you needed to do was enter my chamber. I've cursed here. And then, but it, it devolved pretty quickly. It was, why do you have, but did sword? they, did they find so out like that it, she's the daughter of the, of the sorceress or. Like I mean, it's one thing to have a conversation and get I the fake backstory. I think I said something in. like my my evil mother cursed me. Okay, I, I think I said that. It's I like that. It's been a few years though, so like, yeah, I, I like, I like that version. She was there just to protect the treasure. Then, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. But I, I just got so excited that they actually got there, and I could use this <laughs> as a as <laughs> and, and play. You know, dungeon master NPC, uh, just go at it. Um, when you talk about a set piece encounter for like the end of an adventure, this is like, this has all of it. Yeah, it does. It's just, a, it's a, look, it's, it's a, a cool great, terrain, great payoff. Cool creatures. Right? It's, a, it's a great payoff for the player characters, right? Cause they enter this chamber and they see this situation. Okay. What exactly are you going to do? Right. Are you, yeah, hey, who wants to go up and kiss her or, you know, or, you know, what do you do with this? You know, sleep? is she dead? Is she sleeping? It, you know, there's so much you can do with this and have fun with it. It's just a great epic end encounter with a badass villain uh who is obviously a vampire so you can bring her back later on um yep. depending on how things work out my my players really did not want to they from the very second they didn't trust anything about the room but oh, cool. we had also just yeah, yeah we had also just no, why would of like temple of elemental evil so they're like we know gary's tricks 
You yeah. can't trust anyone in a dungeon. Not anyone, right? I don't care if they're tied up and yeah, whatever, right? But but it's just and, and you know, I mean, everyone knows what they what they know. So, yeah. um, but you because doesn't mean you can't have fun with it because it, it is a great setup at the end because they have gone through hell on earth just to get to this room. So, uh, you know, why would you trust anything at this point, right? Yeah. Everything they've come across has been basically false. So, uh, just just a lot of fun. I, I don't. I w- this is this is the one thing here I definitely wouldn't mess with. I just love the way this encounter is set up. I would just leave it the way it is. I wouldn't fuck with it at all. Other than I do like your point about you know having a little you know villain soliloquy about who I am and why I'm here is is cool. I think that needs I, to happen. I, I was in this. I also like I got my players like their wisdom saving throws. Uh, you know what their modifiers were ahead of time. And I secretly rolled them. So, that, you know, I was, I was able to know if they were charmed or not and giving, yep. being like, you feel, you know, you know that, you know, you feel like this, you feel like this trying to get them confused. So, it, it works super hot. Cause they were all just so suspicious, but I, you know, <laughs> I do suggest that. Here, here's a suggested tactic. Uh, you know how like normally when somebody fails their save or whatever, you take them aside and you tell them what's what. And okay, when you go back in, you're going to want to kill the other players and yada, yada, yada. Um, do the reverse. Take the Ooh. people that didn't, you know, that aren't affected aside and tell them, oh, you know, this is a really horrible lady. And, you know, uh, and then bring them in and, you know, yeah. kind right. of throw the shade right. the other right. one. Yeah, that's a cool idea. That's a cool idea. So I, I don't know. I, I Again, I, I'll just repeat myself. You know, this is a solid adventure I think that does have a great payoff at the end in this, this, this final encounter. Cause not all pre-written dungeons have, have that, you know, their big boss fights are, you know, they're kind of forgettable. This is a really unique situation, right? And like Lou said, just a simple magic item, like the boots of spider climbing makes her just freaky as shit. Right. So, mm-hmm. and, and her charm ability, um, this is a great payoff encounter. Um, if you run this whole venture, you're not going to feel deflated at the end. It, it, it's a great way to end it. It's, it really is. And the players feel like they did something if they defeat her, right? And um, then if they mess with the loot, that will be yeah. ended in a different way because they will absolutely Zagya and Zagi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. But they might explode. Well, that, that's at the each other, other cool thing. Really is they might. Yeah, you <laughs> like might. The treasure's kind of hidden. It's like in the plinth that she's laying on. You got to realize that it's open and hollow, and yeah. yeah. Well, and I did like the, the uh, like that they there is a way to get down to her to her actual coffin, but holy cow! I mean, there's a, right. like, it's like like it's it's like you have this boss fight, and then you have a whole adventure after that if you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, um, I know. Yeah, you can really, also use really that cool. demon book in there to like foreshadow your your d and q and your gdq a little bit. You know, sure. If you want, oh. to. And, you know, like like That's I said, I this. So this adventure is the lead-in, or not the lead-in, because it's not a lead-in, but it is the it's the adventure, and if you're running it kind of as Gary intended, so uh, Lost Temple of Tharzidim comes after this. So this is a good, yeah, this is a good chamber where you could do something with that too to tie that tie that together. Worth, by the way, worst cover ever. I know what they were trying to do with that cover, <laughs> but it's awful. Just just does not work. But um, grill on the back is pretty cool. It's actually a it's actually a pretty cool adventure. It really is, and it is again. You get a lot of insight to Gary and kind of what his mindset always is. I mean, I at this point, I don't think a lot of people who've read a lot of Gary modules have a hard time figuring out what you know what Gary's modus operandi is. 
in general, uh, <laughs> kill the PCs. So, um, but, but, but that one has what this one has as far as like it has a really cool set piece at the end, a really neat little backstory. Yeah, that the it, it, it's there and got stuff. a hex, hex crawl in the beginning too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just solid. I, I love the way these work. So, um, you know, it, for me to this old dungeon, this thing, I, I think, you know, a lot of times we talk about big scope things and, and certainly you could do that here. It's, that's not my impression of how I would do this. You know, I, I, again, I ran it twice. I would probably do it the same way I ran it the first time. I'm really not going to mess with anything except I'm going to get rid of the stuff, um, which I've already done. Like I kind of explained the, whenever Gary decides he wants to create some obstacle for players to get from one room to another or one level to another, it, it's okay to do that to some degree. But if you, if you got to spend more than 10 minutes, 15 minutes at your table, trying to with the with the players racking their minds trying to trying to figure that out you probably need to do something different because if they're going to sit there for two hours trying to teleport around to figure out what the actual proper thing to do is um that gets to be a lot of unfun real quick and that's what people will remember instead of remembering the cool stuff so that's kind of how i i look at this adventure is that i want to make it um it's a fun house dungeon, just like Edwin said. So let's let's let the fun commence, right? Let's go from spot to spot to spot, and I'm going to make the trans those transitions um, a lot easier, even if I know that's not wasn't the intent of that section, because it's still trying to get from the beginning of this thing, right? Walk through the front door of this module uh, or, the, or the caverns and get into the Drell's chamber. You can take all the hardship out of the travel part out. It's still going to be hard as fuck to get there and. It, it could TP, you could TPK at a group multiple times in here yeah. um, on the way through. So awesome. it's just, a, to me, it's not necessary. Um, I, I know why it exists. It was there for tournament purposes. And it just, uh, I, I've played in those. Like I said, I played in Inverness, uh, the, the actual tournament back in the day in 78, and it was a bitch, um, some of those encounters. So um, you can get caught up and in, in burn through your time real quickly on stuff that, seems unfair. And, and I think those kind of encounters do seem unfair to me. So I would, I would hash, you know, just hack those out, but the rest of it, I, I like it. I really like the way this thing works um, and how it kind of, and, and it can lead into Tharzadun too. Because Tharzadun is kind of a cool, it's a really cool concept anyway. So now that I got done soliloquy and all of you guys talk. Final thoughts? I, I'll say similar thoughts. Um, I would I really wouldn't change that much. I've said what I did change, and it was mostly the stuff where it's this is hard to figure out. It will be frustrating, or you know, let's just make this more obvious, or let's turn the weird teleport to another realm room into teleport into a five minute montage, and then you're back. Um, <laughs> which sure tournament, but in campaign play that doesn't work the same yeah. so uh but yeah all in all it's it's a one of my favorite old, uh, classic adventures yes edwin <laughs> no i got nothing to add did you ever play, have you ever played through it edwin nope no okay all right i was just i was curious because i know sometimes it's fun to hear your thoughts on these things like as a first time read and that kind of stuff yeah no this is my first time read and uh okay. I, I as i said i really enjoyed it but i think i think we've covered yeah, I, I would change the I would change how they get there in terms of what the hook is, and then I would get rid of some of the the non fun roadblocks. 
Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I know I did mention that right. My, the, the hook thing is I, again, think about that if you're going to run it, uh, saddle the PCs with some little weasel dude that's going to hang around with them. And they really shouldn't get killed off right away because it could be a significant hardship. It does. It changes the cosmetic of a lot of these chambers. That's uh, kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. No, having to protect somebody, anything, I feel like anytime you can have two goals going at the same time. So protect somebody yeah. and kill some creatures or whatever it is. Uh, it makes a lot of the stuff way more interesting. Yeah. Have your A plot and have your B plots just like yeah. TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My, my only throw in is, uh, you know, I, I remember it being space, a lot more a demonic. Spaceship. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember it being a lot more about the, the demons that were left in there uh, after she was done. And I kind of, I want that. I, I think that would be a cooler thing and more, you know, oh my goodness, what's left from the other side still crawling around down here. So from the point, there's a bridge that's got like skeletons and stuff on that. From that point forward, I'd keep making it get darker and grittier and, and maybe throw in a few more of those like lower demons and things to, to have the characters mess with. So I look forward to your eventual okay. DCC publication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it is getting late, but it is not too late to do some geek credit. Well, here we go. Do you have any geek credit? All right, Steph, we're going to play some geek credit. Uh, but first, I need you to um, roll a die if you got one there. You got one handy? Sure, you can sure. flip a coin. Six right next to me. Or flip a coin, yeah. So uh, we're going to say, what do you got? You got a die? I got a D6. Okay, right. so if you uh, roll an even number, uh, Der Gruben Troll is going to uh, win a prize here. And if you roll an odd number, uh, Larry Hoth is. So uh, um, I rolled a three, so it's all for Larry. All right, uh, Larry. I think uh, I think this is your second time winning. You're a lucky man. And um, what what does he win? I well, I if if I'm allowed to do stuff, too, I can send sure. Larry some of my zines. It, it sounds like someone wasn't prepared. I don't know who though. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like everyone wasn't prepared. But, but if uh, if I win, I will send you some. Of, I'll send you mysteries of the multiverse and merchants of the multiverse and uh, the hills that hunger and the brimstone cradle, which is a weird frontiers thing. So you get your your post apocalyptic awesome. kitchen sink and uh, and your yeah your weird west stuff too. Man, so I sounds like I want to. I know exactly. It sounds like there's a little <laughs> bit of a uh, a conflict of interest though, right? Because you 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 stand to win by losing here. <laughs> I, you know, I stand to win way. by by getting That's a right. good fan, uh, by, by having situation. more people appreciate my work. <laughs> so the way this works, we're going to ask you five multiple choice questions. Uh, if you can get uh, three of them correct, you keep your geek credit. And uh, tonight, but I think we're, we're pretty exclusively. No. What's that? But not his zines. I got enough on my show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tonight, I think uh, the main topic uh, that we're running by you is. Uh, Tolkien's writing, right? The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Anybody want to start? I was going to leave this to you guys. Mine are, mine are kind of off. So mine are because we're talking D&D and Tolkien. So I'm going to uh, throw one at you right out of the gate. So uh, TSR, when they, they first came around, decided that they would include some Tolkien intellectual property in some of their products. Um, so what was the very first product that TSR included Tolkien IP I'm going to give you multiple choice. Uh, it was either chain mail, 
the uh, OD&D box set or it was Greyhawk the supplement. Say the OD&D box set, probably. It, it, they, they were putting the hobbits instead of halflings in there, as I they recall. Did. They, you are 100% correct on that. Unfortunately, Chainmail was the first oh. product that they included hobbits and ants in. So I screwed you, which is normally not the case. Usually it's Edwin <laughs> that comes up with the ridiculous question. So. <laughs> That's true. That was a good question. I liked it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I'll give you a softball one here. Um, what shiny metal object is lost by Bilbo while escaping the goblins' warrens? Is it his sword, a golden ring, his vest buttons, or the key to his front door? Uh, I believe it's actually his. Uh, oh, gosh. See, I said his I chose this. Sword, golden ring, vest buttons, or key to the front door? I want to say it's his sword sting. Half of me does, but then I'm like, wait, but why does Frodo get it back later then? And the other half of me is like, it's his buttons. I, I read this to my son recently, or I read as much of it as I can before he starts doing something wild because he's only two. Consider he is a rotund individual. Yeah, I think it's his buttons, though. <laughs> You're uh, right. It's his okay. buttons. There we go. I know you gave me the hint. I was waffling for <laughs> sure, but I was leaning that way. Uh, Edwin, do you have Edwin, any? Edwin, I think you're up. No, no, I told you I'm leaving this one to you guys. God oh, damn it. totally wow. to us. I thought you just meant the opening was all right. Well, all right, I got a few. Okay, I'm I'm gonna continue we'll pick up on your with slack. The, the Tolkien TSR thread. So, uh, not stopping there, TSR put out a war game uh, that was not chainmail that also included Tolkien IP that they weren't supposed to use. Uh, that war game was a the Battle of Five Armies. B, the Battle of Helm's Deep, or C, Into the Mines of Moria? I think it was the Battle of Five Armies. Got it. Okay, good. And Into the Mines of Moria doesn't exist. I made that up, but it sounds like you should have done it. Yes, but TSR was trampling all over Tolkien IP for years. So then they got sense. Yeah, and that, that's why Gary later was like, no, I think they're boring. They're just about walking places. And it's like, you're just doing that to yeah, save It's a bullshit, right? He, he yeah. uses the shit out of it. And then when he gets cease and desisted, then it becomes boring and terrible. Right, right Gary? Um, yeah, interesting note, Battle of Five Armies, which was produced by another guy. I think his name is David something. And then TSR bought it off him. Bought it off him and published it. And they got cease and desisted, which is just okay. fucking hilarious. But anyway... <laughs> So there it is. Good one. one it got like. it. All right, this, this got is two. the make or break here. So um, when Bilbo returns from the, uh, from the whole adventure, goes back to the Shire, what does he find? Does he find that his, uh, his hobbit hole has been destroyed by goblins? Does he find his house full of dwarves waiting to celebrate his return? Does he find his cousin waiting at his door to hear his tale? Or does he find that they're auctioning off his property? Uh, they're auctioning off his property. It's, yeah. I forget I yes. forget which branch of the Baggins family, but he never forgives them, and they're still jerks in the Lord of the Rings. Yes, they <laughs> are. Here. All right. All right. Uh, Geek credit, credit is made. Right, we do have one more question we got to give, though. But but he's he does have his credit. Uh, all right. Uh, I actually had another one I just made up on the fly. Um, I, I got one here if you... If you no, I got it. Uh, right. yeah, in the Fellowship of the Ring, our, our 
four intrepid hobbits are, are running through these, the, the old wood and they get, uh, they decide to go to sleep somewhere uh, where they shouldn't. And the next thing you know, um, they are under attack by a creature. Was that creature a white, a wraith, or a ghoul? It was a white, a barrel white. Barrel white. There we are. Nice. Yeah. That was my yeah, nice. Good old Tom right. Bombadil had to save him. Yes. Tom <laughs> Bombadil came in singing and saved him and took all the white's treasure. It's just a great fucking D&D spot. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's geek credit. Four out of five. Pretty good. Yeah, uh, great Larry, news is, is you step and you made your geek credit. Bad news is you're going to the post. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll pass Larry's information on to you when I get it. Um, so we're wrapping up here, but uh, January 17th, mm-hmm. we've got Elfland Beyond the Fields We Know coming out on Kickstarter. A- anything else that uh, that's coming up that listeners need to be aware of? Uh, I, I am also releasing just uh, out on there not doing anything too special a uh, a series of rune adventures rune is like a, a solo grid based game and I, i've got something that's very inspired by the the video game bloodborne that uh i i would have loved to do something in dcc but it's that game has a very isolationist you're alone feel and this is a, a solo mm-hmm. thing so it works better for that but uh but really, yeah, check the Kickstarter. It, it's a zine. It's two full-size adventures. It's a pamphlet adventure. It there's a, a sew-on patch, and uh, and oh, and the patch and the in the zine cover. They're by Bruno Proseco. He did the cover for issues three and four of Knock. So, and nice. uh, doing a doing a poster of that is one of our later stretch goals. So, uh, sweet, just gorgeous art in there and on there too. And then probably a song from Loot the Body. I fully expect to hit that stretch goal. And it is, I, he just sent it to me a, a couple days ago. And it is a really, really amazing song. As soon as I make the Kickstarter awesome. video, I, it will probably be going on that. So people will at least be able to hear it there. And on his, awesome. all the places you hear his music. All right. Awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said, I'll make sure I get a link to it from Lou or, or somewhere else too. And, and we'll definitely try and uh, we'll put you in a paste sort of newsletter coming up. I know we got one coming out. So um, uh, I, I'm interested in this. Sounds like a great Kickstarter. So I'm going to back. I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Um, let, let's follow up. Steph, where are you going to be this year? You're going to be, you mentioned you went to Long Con this last year, which somehow I missed you. So where, are you going to any conventions this coming year? Uh, I plan to be at Chupacabra Con, which is down near Austin, Texas. Okay. Uh, North Texas RPG Con and the you know DFW area, then uh, Long Con again. Okay, um, have you ever been to an NTX? Uh, in what? NTX, well, North Texas, North Texas. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You, you I've, there I've been year. there. I was there last year. I was there. My my anniversary is right around the date of it. So gotcha. some years I'm able to get lot. there less, and some more. <laughs> uh, well, I, de- I I'll see you there for sure. I mean, I, I can't believe we haven't. Haven't met at one before because I I never missed one of those so I'm excited I, that, I, that'd be great so especially for, off for viewers a while, you know yeah just because it was like okay it's anniversaries falling the same weekend again and again this I, year so I, I get it a yeah. game hole all used to always fall on my wife's birthday so that was a non-starter um, but cool so uh, Chupacabracon uh, North Texas and then you're gonna go to Longcon did you mention? Long oh long con for sure and cool. Lone Star Game Expo. That's that's a little one in, in yes. Grapevine, Texas. So I'll be all right. There. Yep. Those are the four. I've heard about that one too. So 
Uh, all right, fantastic. And your uh, back catalog, it's available from Exalted Funeral and from Goodman Games mostly. Oh, uh, and uh, Drive Through, right? Yeah, drive through. Yeah, yeah, I got yep. print on demand on Drive Through. Some of the stuff is on Exalted Funeral, some on Goodman Games. Digital so, stuff is on itch. And then you for Canadian and UK folks, Rooks Press and Monkey Paw Games, they'll they'll have more friendly shipping options. All right, folks, that's that's our one hour episode of this old dungeon. Making <laughs> uh, good on our New Year's promise. Awesome. Good for uh, us. I've been one of your hosts, Lou Alu. All right, wait, 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 wait Lou, night? before we go. Oh, hold on. So I've I failed my my uh, my drive-through pimping check. Uh, Lost Cameras is available on drive through. I just looked. Um, I told you I that. I bought before. it there. And <laughs> I, I didn't look before, but you can also get it. I think you can get it. Yes. You can get it uh, PDF for $4.99, print yeah, like copy for $8.50, or both for $10.50. So uh, nice. I, I, I know not all the old TSR modules are in, but Lost Cameras is on there. Uh, so if you're Hopefully you're interested in it. I don't, I don't, we, we really need to get with drive through. I've got a contact there. We pimped them enough. Uh, we need circuit. <laughs> you can uh, do it. Yeah. I'll, I haven't done the affiliate link thing, but it, as long as you've already got a publisher account on there, there's look in the publisher page, bottom right. And there's like an affiliate link thing. I haven't actually gone through it, but it's there. This is there. Yeah. Beautiful. So yeah, I, this is one I definitely, by the way, I know we, I know we're, you're trying to get out of here, Luke, because you've been on here for 17 hours. But this is one guy. Hey, guys, go pop the, the I think, what did I say? It was 1050 for the 850, 1050. Yeah, for, for both. Yeah. For the, for the both. You know, just do it. This this is a no-brainer. It's a great adventure if you don't own it. If you don't, just just pick it up and get, get the print copy, people. You just need it better than the fucking PDF. All right. Seven grand can be yours. <laughs> All right, folks. Happy gaming. If you can find them. Good night, everybody. You have been listening to This Whole Dungeon, a podcast about reviewing and renovating great adventures and rule sets from throughout the annals of gaming. The views expressed by the hosts are simply that and shouldn't be taken with any serious amount of gravity. This program is copyright 2023. Happy gaming!